First Chronicles chapter number four. It's a blessing to be in a church that number one has church on Wednesday night. And number two actually opens the Bible on Wednesday night. And looking forward to what the Lord has for us in the Word of God. First Chronicles chapter number four. I'm going to ask you if you're physically able, if you'd stand with me as you read out of respect for the reading of the Word of God. First Chronicles chapter number four. And this evening, we'll begin reading in verse number 9. Would you follow along with me as I read 1 Chronicles chapter 4, verse number 9. And Jabez was more honorable than his brethren. And his mother called his name Jabez, saying, Because I bear him with sorrow. And Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that thou wouldst bless me indeed, and enlarge my coasts. And that thine hand might be with me, and that thou wouldst keep me from evil, that it may not grieve me. And God granted him that which he requested. Tonight, in the few minutes we have remaining, I'd like to preach you on this subject. What will you ask God for? My father, I need you tonight. I have nothing to offer these dear people, my new friends, except you. But you're enough. And so, Lord, I'm asking you, would you hide me behind the cross of my Jesus? May these dear people not leave tonight remembering me, but the God that I serve. Holy Spirit, I'm asking that you do the work tonight. I'm not asked to convict or convince. That's your job. And so I'm asking you to do that. And may I not be a hindrance. Would you touch my mind that I may think right? Touch my mouth that I may speak right? And would you touch my heart that I may be right? If there's something in me that I have yet to confess, then Lord, would you point that out now? that I may not be a hindrance to the working of you tonight. My Father, I'm asking this tonight the only way I know how, through the name and through the blood of my Jesus. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. First Chronicles is not necessarily one of those books that a preacher goes looking for a message in. I remember when I was in Bible college years ago, and you always run into some of these um, guys that would, you know, just have a chip on their shoulder of some sort, just trying to get everybody at just the right time or the wrong time. And they'd come up to you and they'd say, what did you get out of your devotions this morning? Or God and I time, or I call it my coffee time, whatever it is you call it. What did you get out of your Bible reading this morning? And I'd think I was reading in First Chronicles. What would you expect to get out of your Bible reading? And I looked at one of them and I don't know, I don't, I'm not saying it was the Lord that gave it to me. But I looked at him and I said, well, I was reading in 1 Chronicles and I've learned this. If you get married, more than likely you're going to have children. So-and-so begat so-and-so and so-and-so begat so-and-so and... -so and you know, I'm reading First Chronicles and I'm thinking, 
Okay. But I know, based on the truths of the Word of God, that God preserved His Word for a purpose. And so everything in the Word of God is for me today. Now please understand, I understand there is an Old Testament. And for those that would say to a preacher, well, that's Old Testament. Well, that just means God preserved it longer than the new. But beyond that, when you come to different parts of the Bible that may not be written specifically to you and I today, the principles still apply. So when you open the Old Testament and maybe you read about the children of Israel not being able to eat bacon, God's not saying to us, don't eat bacon. I think there were more amens at that than the other. But what he's saying is this. The principle is to be different from the world. So when you come to this passage, this passage is not to be thrown out just because it's in the begets and begottens. And I was reading in my coffee time and I read about a man named Jabez. And I had to stop for a few minutes. I don't know about you, but I personally never heard a message on Jabez. Now, probably your pastor may have preached on it last week. I wasn't here. But personally, I've never heard a message on Jabez. What I have heard and read is when I used to go into Bible bookstores that are few and far between, and you read different things about Jabez's prayer. You'll see it printed on a Bible cover, a bookmark, a plaque, or something like that. And I remember standing there and reading some of those and thinking, it sounds like a catechism. It doesn't make much sense to me, and how is it supposed to help me? But in the quietness of my time with the Lord, I opened up Jabez and began to read. And he begins the statement in the passage by saying this, and Jabez was more honorable than all his brethren. And I began to think to myself, how can someone living in a wicked day be more honorable than the rest that would say they call upon the name of God? What did Jabez do different? What did Jabez do that God would call him honorable? You see, the name, the word honorable is not labeled by man to Jabez but from God to Jabez. And if God would look at one of his creation and call him honorable, friend, I don't know that I attain to that, but I'd like to know how. And I begin to read about Jabez, and it'll say this in verse number nine, Jabez was more honorable than his brethren. And his mother called his name Jabez, saying, because I bear him with sorrow. And then it will say in Jabez, called on the name the Lord God. I began to search the scriptures and try to find out more about Jabez, but at least in my study, I can't find Jabez mentioned anywhere else in the Bible. So for two verses in the entire Bible, you read about a man that we basically know nothing about except God's testimony of him. And by the way, that is enough. But when you read about a man named Jabez in history, in cultural and in tradition, not inspired, you'll find that he would live during the same day as a man named Ezra. 
doesn't sound like a good day to be living in to me. Beyond that, you read about a man named Jabez, again in history, he would have been known as some kind of a physician, a doctor, someone that would have had some kind of influence over many people. And when you read about a man named Jabez and God's testimony, and then in the following verse, Jabez asked three things from God. And at the end of that verse, God grants Jabez everything he asked for. I thought to myself, when was the last time that I prayed? Not for me, but to get a hold of the throne of God. And I knew that when I got up from my knees, God was going to answer yes. I've learned something about Jabez. Jabez doesn't ask God for Jabez. Jabez asked God for God. And God promises all throughout the word of God, when you seek me, you will find me. I get weary of being in churches where people talk about God like he only resides in the Bible. As though he's a fairy tale. As though he did something in the past, but he died and, oh yes, we'll talk about his resurrection, but we won't live like it. But when you read about Jabez, Jabez believed that God is and that he is the rewarder of him that diligently seek him. And you read about Jabez and the three things that Jabez asks. Every one of God's people ought to make priorities in their life. Notice what he says in verse number 10. And Jabez called on the God of Israel saying, Oh, that thou wouldst bless me indeed. I had to stop when I read that word, bless. Because I'm from the deep south. And everybody uses the word bless. I mean, you go into Bojangles and people are blessing the bowberries. People will look at you and they'll say, oh, bless your, yeah. I'm from North Carolina. That doesn't bother me at all. I know what I mean and I know the right vocal inflection to use the phrase, bless your heart. But we travel all over the United States and I'll be in the Midwest, the Northwest or the Southwest or Yankee land. And I'll say, bless your heart. And they look at me like, I don't know. I just fell off somewhere. <laughs> Crawled out from under my rock. You see, in the South, you know this. You can say, bless your heart about anything and anybody. Even if it's mean and they say, thank you. <laughs> Good night. Your wife dressed you tonight. Bless your heart. <laughs> Good night. You look like you've had a rough day. Bless your heart. Y you understand. So when I read the word bless, I thought, I don't even know what it means. I was in a church one time, not too long ago. Preacher comes up, about ready to pray for the offering. He looks down and he said, brother, would you pray for the offering? The man says, yes, sir. He bows his head, closes his eyes, and he says, dear Lord, would you bless this food we're about ready to eat? 
And I thought, he, I don't know where he is, but he's not here. And then the man figured out what he'd done. He realized he was, you know, just saying the words and in the rote repertoire. And he said, this spiritual food that you've given to my pastor. And I thought, well, nice recovery, but it's sad that you weren't in tune. Blessed doesn't mean give me something that I want. The word bless in this verse that Jabez begins to beg God for, he says, oh, that thou wouldst bless me indeed. But the word bless here does not mean open up the windows in heaven and pour out something upon me. The word bless here means I as a servant and slave bow my knee in complete dependence to the one I need. In other words, Jabez says, Lord, I need your help. And by the way, Jabez is not asking God to bless everything that Jabez can do. He's asking God to do everything that Jabez can and can't do. I've heard this before, and, and I, don't, I don't mean any ill, but I've heard people say, God and I are a majority. I understand what's being said, but in the Bible... God is a majority, whether I'm with him or not. You see, a lot of times today, we have people asking, whose side is God on? God doesn't choose sides. Instead of asking, what side is God on? We should be asking God, am I on your side? And Jabez is saying, I'm done with me. I need God. I don't just need to come to church, fill a pew, and talk about God or sing about God or pray about God. I need God. And maybe we need that today desperately. You see, Jabez, he is only mentioned in two verses. But who else in the Word of God does God answer exactly like it's been prayed? And who else in the Word of God does God call Honorable. Because number one, Jabez says, I need God's help. I don't just need God about me. I don't just need God around me. I need God. John 15, without me, ye can do some things. No, without me, ye can do nothing. That's why I must abide. And that's what Jabez asks for. Lord, I need you. I need your help. Because if you don't show up, I'm done. That would probably be a good thing to preach at some preacher's fellowship. Because we have an awful lot of men building pretty little churches where God's not there. I'm not slinging mud, friend. We need God. 
We need God. And Jabez says, I need God's help. But he doesn't stop there. He goes on in verse number 9 and he says, All that thou wouldst bless me indeed and enlarge my coasts. <laughs> I'm from the coast. You know what I mean. Next to the ocean. And so when I read what Jabez says, my mind thinks in my way of thinking. I think, well, good night. Jabez is asking for beachfront property. <laughs> but I knew that wasn't right because Jabez just didn't ask for himself of anything. He just asked for God's help. He asked God to bless him. In other words, complete bending, bowing of the knee. Begging God not to give him something, not for the benefits of God, but just for God. We do an awful lot of that today, don't we? We want what God can give us rather than just God. Friend, if God didn't give us anything but Him, you do realize that would be enough, right? Amen. He is enough. And if Jesus was enough for a holy God to take away the sins of the world, then isn't he still enough today? And Jabez does not just ask God for his blessing. He goes on and he says this. He says, would you enlarge my coasts? In other words, Lord, would you enlarge my realm of influence. In a very personal way, he's asking God this, Lord, would you increase my doctor practice? Would you help it to grow? He said, why would he be asking that God for that? Because he's asking God to enlarge his realm of influence for God. Is it wrong to ask God to grow Canaan Baptist Church? No. Not if you're in it for the souls of men. Amen. I've been in churches before that are all about numbers. And all they can talk about is how many this and how many that. And then I've been in other churches that condemn those churches for talking about numbers. Maybe if we just understood that numbers were souls and we focused on the spiritual aspect of souls for God. We need God to give us an influence for Him. We need God to grow our ministries, not us. We don't need more programs we need power from the person of Jesus Christ. Amen. We don't need more stepping up, although that would be helpful. We need to be desperate for God to step down, to meet with us, to dwell with us. And Jabez says, Lord, I need your hand, your help. I need you to show up. I need you and just you. 
I need your help all over. But then he goes on and he says this, and enlarge my coast, and that thine hand might be with me. So he's asked God for God's help, and God said yes. Now he goes further and asks God for God's hand, and God says yes. You say, preacher, what's the difference between God's help and God's hand? God's hand is the very real moving of God in the Bible. In other words, you can see it evidence that God has done it and not man. I have heard things like this before. Oh, preacher. The fingerprints of God were all over that. Why would you want the fingerprints? You know what fingerprints are, right? I was there. I'm not now. But the hand of God is a moving. It is God himself doing what I cannot. And I need him. I read about preachers of old. And I read how God used them. And for so many years in my personal life, I have begged God to make me like those great preachers. And I have come to realize my utter shortcoming in asking God to make me like another man. I have come to realize that if people never remember me, that's okay. We look for our name or our church's name and lights. But maybe it would be better for the world instead of hearing our church's name and thinking all the wonderful things that we could do When they hear our name, they say, there's a God down there that does great and mighty things, which we cannot explain. And Jabez says, I need the hand of God. He says, would your hand be with me? I don't just need your help. I need your very moving, your very presence. We talk to God in prayer and sometimes our prayers seemingly don't get past the ceiling because we're asking God for what we want him to do instead of being desperate for God to do what only God can do. Doesn't he say in the book of Isaiah, not my ways, not my thoughts, yours? Sometimes we get upset when God doesn't do what we think God should do. But maybe it would be better for us just to say, God, I'll submit. I'll live my life with open hands that you may do what only you can do. And maybe if we got fed up with self and filled up with God, maybe we would see God do greater things. Jabez is not a preacher. Jabez is a career man. 
who seemingly got a greater desire for God than most of the preachers of his day. And God would call him more honorable. Jabez says, I need your help. I can't do it. God, I need your hand. Would you step in and move? But then he goes on in the passage and he says this. And that thou wouldst keep me from evil. You see, he's asking God for God in the first part of the verse. He says, God, I need your help and I need your hand. But now he asks God for his hindrance. Who wants that? We all ought want that. The hindrance of God. Lord, don't let me say what I shouldn't say. Don't let me go where I shouldn't go. Don't let me do what I shouldn't do. Sensitive to the Spirit. Not walking after the flesh. And Jabez, a career man, caught how, how great a necessity it was to be hindered by the Spirit. <laughs> I heard someone the other day say this. Oh, preacher, the devil's fighting. Excuse me. Duh. By the way, I'd be afraid if the devil wasn't fighting. If the devil wasn't fighting, then he'd be fine with how everything's going. But when the devil's fighting the most, it's evident he doesn't want what God's doing. And by the way, I can't fight the devil. I've heard preachers say this, well, you grab them by the shirt tail and oh, I'll come swinging. Prince and power of the air. Spiritual wickedness in high places. Amen. By the way, he's a defeated foe. Amen. So take God's side and let God deal with him. But I need God's hindrance. And by the way, when I ask God for his hindrance, I ought listen. If we were to ask God, God, would you hinder me from doing anything that would grieve you? <laughs> and then when the Spirit begins to hinder us, we push him aside. Well, that did a lot of good. Jabez will say this. I need your help, I need your hand, and I need your hindrance. And I need you, Lord, to hinder me. To keep me from evil. You only stay from evil when you stay close to Jesus. And the farther away you are from Jesus, the closer you'll be to sin. Sometimes we have the idea that the devil's trying to take us from following Jesus and put us in the gutter somewhere, doped up on something. But that's not the devil's plan. The devil would rather you just be a good Christian. There are an awful lot of good Christians hindering the work of God. Right. By the way, 
I hope we do realize that just because we may have trusted Jesus and are on our way to heaven, we have not changed into something good. There is still none good, no, not one. But we have an awful lot of Christians who think they've been something good, who think they do amazing things for God. No, friend. In me dwelleth no good thing. There is only one good, God. So keep me from evil that it may not grieve me. In other words, he doesn't, have to want, he doesn't want to have to sit in church and he under, be under the preaching of the word of God and face conviction. By the way, conviction's a good thing. And I have learned this. If I sit under Bible preaching and I'm not convicted, something's wrong with me. Not the preaching. Jabez says, I don't want to have to be at the altar. Getting right with you. I want to stay right with you. I want to walk with you. So people can see my Jesus. I need your hand about me that you can enlarge my coast. That I can touch more people for Jesus or Probably Jabez would say it this way, so you can touch people through me. And Jabez says, I need God. And he comes down to the end of the passage. And God granted him that which he requested. Why? Because he asked God for something? No. Because he asked God for God. He says, keep me. The very word keep me comes from the word Yahweh. My refuge. I need him. Tonight... I do not know your heart. But I do know this. Most of us do not live the way that this career man lived. Most of us are asking God for what we can get out of God. Rather than what God can get out of us. We're asking God to let us pet our sins every once in a while rather than getting right, that it might not grieve me. We're asking God to bless our plans and our program, rather than God just take over. We talk about God. I wonder, does God talk about us? He talked about Jabez. He's more honorable than his brethren. You say, great. I want to be more honorable than everybody. The word honor in this passage 
means rich. In other words, the richest man is the man that counts his greatness by the God that he serves. What will you ask God for? Or maybe tonight, instead of asking what, may I ask you, who will you ask God for? When I finished with Bible college, got on the road preaching, I would preach and expect people at the altar. And I would count my success by how many people came to an altar. I would preach and I would ask God to do something. I would ask God to bless my words. And it wasn't until God broke me of me that I realized my error. Instead of asking God to bless my words, I just claim the promise that God will bless His word. Instead of counting my success by how many people respond, I must count my success based on obedience to God. Instead of seeking for fame, friend, I have found that only Jesus matters. But it came to a breaking of me. Have you been broken over self? It is only when you come to the end of self that you can come to the beginning of God. My father, I have done what you've asked me to do. And Lord, I realize this is a midweek service. But I need you. I do not know how you've worked in hearts tonight, but I know how you've worked in my heart. So, Lord, if it's only for me, I let go of me tonight. I pray tonight that we would get desperate for you. Not just on a flash of emotion and not just now, but that you would begin something anew and afresh when we're broken over self and begin to bend the knee to who you are. Father, I ask this in and through the name of my Jesus. With heads bowed and eyes closed tonight, may I ask this? I wonder how many tonight in the sight of the Lord
would say, God spoke into my heart. I need to get desperate for God. If that's you tonight, would you slip up your hand? I'll just remember you in prayer.